Welcome, everybody. It is time for another episode of the In the Huddle Sports Podcast, the first episode of the new year. Goodbye, 2020. Hello, 2021. And the regular season in the NFL came to a close yesterday, and playoff football is finally upon us. Joining me per usual are my guys, The Real Leal and Zach Crow. And before we get to those juicy football topics later on, we want to start with a very special guest joining us today as well, Karita Parks. She's a sports journalist and credentialed reporter for the Washington football team, the WNBA team, the Washington Mystiques, and for the NBA team, the Washington Wizards. Karita also is the CEO of Double Take Sports. She is a host on the podcast, The Triple W. And lastly, she is a PR expert with her own PR firm, Parks PR. We now welcome her in the huddle with us. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, by the way. <laughs> Anytime. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on, man. Um, this is a new year, and we're looking to start off this new year, right? I know 2020 has been a, you know, a struggle for a lot of people in this world right now. Um, and, you know, we just want to have good vibes, good happiness going forward in this year. So um, I would like to start off by asking you, can you give us a little um, information about your background and your job in the media industry and how it all came about for you? Yeah, so as mentioned, my background started in public relations. And so after college, I started working for the first T, which is a golf organization. I always knew I wanted to work in sports and originally my plan was sports PR. So after I left the golf industry, I ended up at an agency that had nothing to do with sports, <laughs> but it taught me how to be more of an entrepreneur. So coming out of that situation, I, just, I said, you know what, let me, I want to start my own PR agency, which will give me an opportunity to work with those sports clients that I wanted to work with. So through doing that, you know, I had an opportunity to work on uh, with Penny Hardaway and his radio show. I did some Super Bowl work, NFL draft, and just expanded my client base. And within that, I linked up with a sports media blog platform. It was called Pro Player Insiders. And with that opportunity, I was doing PR once again. And I went to the Super Bowl in Phoenix. And during that time, I had an opportunity to link up with other reporters. And it just kind of gave me the other side of what it looked like to be in the reporting game. And so at that particular event, I was at immediate availability. And a colleague encouraged me to interview Russell Okun. Okay, I've never done this before, but let me try it out. And so tried it out. The interview went well. And at that point, I was hooked. And I just had a conversation with the owner of the platform and I said hey I would love to do more writing for you and it snowballed into just really good opportunities like my first assignment was the NFL draft in Chicago and I've done a couple of NFL drafts since then as well as four I think it's four or five Super Bowls at this point and then I was like you know what I want to focus on local sports as well and I linked up with Sports Journey, Lake Lewis, you may know him. Yeah. And I started covering the Washington Wizards. So I covered the Washington Wizards and Washington Mystics for that platform. 
And then I was able to get an opportunity to also cover the Washington football team with another platform. So, I mean, my I really just wanted to honestly focus on the Washington football team. And it ended up being, uh, I started with the Wizards first. And so I say it's kind of good because if I didn't start with the Wizards first, I probably would just only been focused on football. But now I'm like NBA, WNBA, NFL. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, that's the gist of it. And from there, I started, as you mentioned, Double Take Sports, which is my own platform. You know, I really admire independents that go out there and do it themselves. So that platform allows me to just focus on projects and articles and stories that I want to that are outside of uh, what I do for other people. So it's it's been an interesting <clears throat> journey, but I wouldn't change it for the world. And so along that journey, because obviously you have quite the resume now and quite yeah. the experience, but um, what were some of your biggest challenges in getting where you are today? And are you in fact where you are, where you want to be today? Or do you have like bigger aspirations? I have bigger aspirations. You know, I definitely want Double Take Sports to, I mean, it won't be, I don't want to be ESPN per se anyway, but I just want it to be a platform that has like that kind of respect. So I really want my platform to grow and that's something that is mine. As far as challenges are concerned, I would say the biggest challenge, challenges along the way were really just kind of getting out of my own way, especially because I transitioned from, and I shouldn't say I transitioned from, like I still do PR, but like that's the world I came from. So just really transitioning into, hey, like you are good at this. It doesn't matter when you started, um, just show what you can do. And so once I finally kind of got over that hurdle, it was all she wrote. You know, I was, mm -hmm. I've always been someone who wasn't afraid to ask questions, but I think like, as I've continued to go through this, I challenge myself to get better every year. And if there's something I think I could do more of, I, I want to do more of that. So it's just kind of, I guess it's not, I would say it's a challenge, but just really allowing yourself to evolve and not holding your own self back, I would say probably has been the biggest challenge. But yeah, I have bigger aspirations. You know, I want to be, I want to be known like by everybody. So <laughs> I'm still working towards that. Oh, yeah. So when you started out uh, your career, one of the things you mentioned was that along the way, you wanted to focus a little bit more on local uh, radio and sports with the Washington, everything there. For people like us, I don't know if Will told you, but we're, I'm currently in college and Will and Kenny C just got out. We're obviously all trying to, you know, uh, get a, a, our foot in the door in the industry. But for people like us, where would you recommend starting off or as a, as a goal? Would you consider the local uh, industry or kind of the national industry as a good starting point? Well, I, I personally think starting off locally will give you an opportunity to learn the ropes and then spreading your wings to national. But if a national opportunity comes your way, definitely don't pass it up, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. But I would say starting local gives you like an opportunity to learn the ropes and get better at it and then move up nationally. But I say that 
And for me, I started, I actually probably started, I would say more nationally because I was doing like those global events and then I came down to doing local. So I think whatever opportunity that you have that comes your way, it's more about capitalizing on that, whether, whether it's starting nationally or starting locally, but definitely what you guys are doing right now, like this is awesome. And, you know, you reached out to me and just continuing to have that hunger, reaching out to people and you're going to meet so many people along the way. You just never know how those individuals can help you in the industry as well. So I would say networking and connecting with people is extremely key too. Um, so, you know, you, in your sentence that you just said, and, um, you know, you said something about the hunger, the drive. And I know, I know you have it just by <laughs> listening to you for the, you know, the couple minutes that I listened to you for. I know Kenny C, Zach has it too, and I know I have it. But, you know, sometimes it could be a little consuming. You know, sometimes your career, this career in particular, can be consuming, especially in a pandemic. Like, you know, with me, when I'm not here recording, I like to sit back, relax, and watch movies on the side. What are some of the things that you like to do outside of media that keeps your mind going? Yeah. Honestly, because it, it, it's probably very similar, and you guys know it, and this is probably why. Like, because I'm going and going and going so much, I really just, like, value being able to, like, sit on my couch or lay on my couch and watch TV or watch movies. Because I feel like, you know, but especially before the pandemic, I felt like I was never home. Um, so that's definitely something that I truly enjoy. And also just having opportunities to hang out with my friends here in D.C. pre-pandemic. You know, brunches were big, so I love to go to brunch with my friends and just, like, linking up with them. It just took my mind off of the work side of things. So those are just, like, a few things I like to do to kind of and relax my mind. And traveling. I love to travel, too. So if I have opportunities to, like, go out of town... What were some of your favorite places? What's that? What's some of your What's some of your favorite shows too? At that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What were some of some of your favorite places to travel and favorite shows? Okay. <laughs> well, so favorite shows. I love This Is Us. Have you seen that? It's like this. A yeah. Sitcom. I love that show. Like the writing is so impeccable. I have rarely seen a show or I haven't seen a show in a long time that like tells a story so well. And like, they never forget aspects of the story. They'll go back like seasons ago and bring things back together. So I love This Is Us. And I'm also like a reality TV junkie. <laughs> Probably not good, but I love watching reality TV. I think it's because I don't have to think about anything. You know, it's just like kind of like mindless TV. Um, so I would say like, uh, and from reality TV, love the Real Housewives franchises. I watch almost all of those. Um, <laughs> the Bachelor. I watch the reality shows on WeTV. <sighs> you watch The Bachelor too? I don't actually watch The Bachelor that much, <laughs> to be honest. It's kind of... I'm like all over the place with like what I actually like, but yeah, I haven't really got into the bachelor that much. I think I've done one or two seasons. When we were able to travel, what were the, some of the, the, the fa your favorite places that you've been? Well, I'm originally from Florida. So I love going back to Florida to the warm weather and the palm trees. So that's always a good trip for me. I would also say Jamaica. I, I, I liked Jamaica when I went. Like the people were just so great and they seemed happy to have us there. I say us like I was with a bunch of friends. 
and it was just a good good time also I've been to Belize so Belize I love I loved it there it was just like really quiet I remember at the time that I went I was staying like in a house that didn't have a tv and I thought I would go crazy especially because I didn't have like a lot of access to my cell phone either I thought I would go crazy but it was so peaceful and like there was like a beach out there so I liked Belize and California like if I look at focus like on in-state I love California it's just beautiful the landscape uh Toronto was a good city I liked uh Toronto I've only ever been to like Florida so I'm jealous (laughs) (laughs) I had a bad experience in Jamaica Jamaica I'm sorry I can't share that same moment with you with Jamaica because I had a disaster (laughs) over there the people are so disrespectful over there at least to me yeah I got to the airport and these cats was out of control, man. I had to make sure they didn't know I was from Brooklyn because they would have got crazy up there. <laughs> so, you know. But Cancun is my favorite place to go. Cancun. Oh, I yeah. love Cancun. Cancun. I went there. I've been there twice. I, yeah, twice. But just not last year because that was 20. Like, oh, yeah, because that was 2020. So it was 2019. Mm-hmm. I went there for a friend's wedding. And I had a better time the second time around, though. First time around was like, okay, it's cool. It's all right. But the second time was a a lot more fun. Nice. And since we are talking about, you know, traveling and whatnot, and we can't do, we haven't been able to do much of that. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been much to do with quarantine in full effect. But one thing that always kept us watching something was when the NFL returned. We were blessed to have a full season. And with, with that, we'll get right into the first topic. Week 17 just concluded. The Washington football team was able to clinch the NFC East. And we will also talk about Doug Peterson and him benching Jalen Hurts last night and that whole ordeal. But reactions to Washington clinching? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was great. Uh, and they deserve it. You know, nobody wants to give, I feel like, Washington football team credit because of previous years, like with the Reds, when they were the Redskins and just all the drama. And they even had drama coming into this season. You know, there was all kinds of issues in the off season. Then you had the whole Dwayne Haskins fiasco that took place. Coach Rivera was battling cancer. I'm probably forgetting something, but there was just a lot that this team had to overcome to make it this far. And in my opinion, they deserved to clinched the NFC East and they play I mean they played they played to the very end of that game and they deserved it I mean Philly wasn't I know they said Philly like bench Jalen to tank or whatnot but it was still came down pretty close in the fourth quarter it wasn't like a sure win until it was an actual W so mm-hmm. we definitely yep. got to talk about um Dwayne Haskins with you in a couple minutes because I think that's a big story to touch yeah. on but regards to last night, man, I just – I felt bad as a football fan watching the Eagles take out Jalen Hurts and tank in front of the American people. I thought that was so lame. I'm not even going to lie because it's like, all right, say what you want about the draft capital. Say what you want about, all right, we lose this game. Instead of being the ninth pick in the draft, we're going to be the sixth. At the end of the day, you got to go out on your shield. I mean, this is your division rival the Washington football team is, and you're going to sit there – and play us like we stupid and to come out after the game and say, oh, we wasn't trying to tank. Stevie Wonder saw what I saw, and he confirmed y'all was trying to tank. So I don't understand that at all. Fourth and goal, instead of kicking the field goal, 
you're going to go for it when you could have tied the game. You're not fooling nobody. So I thought that was um, idiotic. But I, I'm, I'm thankful. Like, I, I congratulate Washington. Whatever you want to say about the Eagles and what they did and what the stunt that they put off last night was, I'm still impressed by Washington because I don't think there's a team in the NFL that went through what Washington went through this year with, you know, the off-the-field allegations um, with the women in sports in the organization. Yeah. With Ron Rivera taking IVs during the game. With Dwayne Haskins getting hurt. I'm not getting hurt, but playing bad. You taking him out. Alex Smith returning after his injury. I don't see another team that went through the obstacles that Washington went through. So I'm kind, I'm kind of glad that they won the division and they're moving forward to the playoffs. Yeah, one thing that really stood out to me watching last night's game was the start of the game. If you remember, Washington comes out, they look great. They got up to that 10 nothing lead. And then all of a sudden, that's really when the Eagles hit their momentum. Jalen Hurts is uh, playing pretty well, threw, uh, ran in for a couple touchdowns. So the Eagles get the lead. And I thought what turned that game around last night was the drive to end the first half. Alex Smith hitting Logan Thomas for the touchdown. Let me ask you, Karita, what was the moment where it hit you like, holy bleep, this is actually going to happen. We're winning the division. That's a very good question. Honestly, for me, it was in that fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, when Montez, when Montez Sweat caused mm -hmm. that strip fumble of um, Nick Sudfeld, because he doesn't play that much, so I don't know his last name like that. But um, <laughs> um, when he caused that strip fumble and Chase Young scooped it up, and ran for a couple yards, and then the offense came back on the field. I felt like that was a pivotal turnover. And up until that point, no one has scored from either team since halftime. So it gave Washington, it extended their lead, put some additional points on the board. I felt a little more comfortable, like, okay. So to me, that was um, a pivotal moment in the game to seal the win. Not everybody say holy shit, Zach. You know, some people say holy moly. <laughs> what about holy moly? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So holy the smoke. Next, <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, Leo, you touched on a lot of great things. Um, or, you know, not a lot of great things that happened to Washington. But the overall moral of the story was that they were able to defeat adversity. Mm -hmm. And something big within the team that, that I liked is how they overcame their quarterback scenario. We all know, you know, what happened to Alex Smith last year. He no doubt, in my mind, should be the comeback player of the year this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they had Brandon Allen in and out of the lineup. Then he gets hurt, done for the season. Haskins, with his off-the-field antics and not playing well on the field. Alex Smith, to me, really was the crucial point of success for them. I mean, the guy took them to a 5-1 and one record. And then the end of this season, with calf tightness, gave fans a sure scare – Haskins comes into the, the two games before last night and plays pretty poorly against Seattle and Carolina. And then Smith comes back. That to me was like, all right, Smith is under center. They're going to win this division. I actually did think the Giants were going to beat the Cowboys. But regardless, in my mind, there was no doubt that Washington was going to take this division and beat the Eagles. And that's what they did. Obviously, credit to their defense because they played a great game. Smith looked a little shaky in the second half. But all in all, they got the job done. What are your thoughts on Alex Smith and what he means to this team? Yeah, like you said, he is without a doubt, in my opinion, comeback player of the year. Even if he didn't play the rest of the season, when he stepped on that field and took over in the second half of the game when he first came back, like to me, he was comeback player of the year then. But I believe Alex Smith just gave this team – you you have no – 
all you can do is respect Alex Smith. Like you have to respect him. And I believe that that respect permeated throughout the team and you could see them respond. And I think, you know, knowing what he's gone through, I think they want to play well for him and also Ron Rivera. But I think Alex Smith really just was the leadership that this team needed at that position especially right now when you're trying to change the culture and become a better team than you were. Mm-hmm. Those are some valid points right there that you brought up. I agree um, with everything you said. The moment that this brother, Alex Smith, came back onto the football field, he was comeback player of the year. I don't even mm-hmm. care what transpired after that as far as stats. Just the being man able to come died. back. Exactly. I know. Undisputed. Like, undisputed comeback player exactly. of the year. I don't want to hear nothing about Big Ben. Exactly. I don't want to hear nothing about these other candidates. I'm not concerned. It's Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. But the guy that he took over from, Dwayne Haskins, let's get mm. into him now. I got a question, but I also got a theory within the question. So bear with me, guys. Okay. Um, I feel like in today's NFL, um, today there's a lack of patience with quarterbacks compared to what we've seen in the past. For example, Peyton Manning, um, he threw over 30 interceptions one year, his freshman year, his rookie year, um, over 100 picks in five seasons. We all know who Peyton Manning is, a Super Bowl winner, two Super Bowls at that. We also have Troy Aikerman, who was 3-11. Um, not 3-11. He was actually 1-10 as a starter his rookie year and also became on to be Troy Aikerman, you know, with the Cowboys. We all know who that is. Um, Josh Rosen now. Now we get into the, the lack of patience. Josh Rosen, one-year trial with, Car- with the Cardinals, 3-11 as a starter. All right, pack your bags, brother. You're going somewhere else. Um, even Tua, Tua Tagovailoa this year. You know, he was drafted with the number fifth pick in the NFL last year. And then now there's talks about the Dolphins moving on from him. So with Dwayne Haskins here, I think he falls into that category. Yes, he wasn't the most talented prospect that we've seen. But also, I do think there's a level of maybe he's just in the wrong era. Right now, you know, the NFL has shown that if you're not ready to win right now and you can't win, we're going to move on from you. And I also think his off-the-field, you know, antics, being at the strip club after throwing two interceptions um, is the reason for that as well. So what do you think about that? Do you think Dwayne Haskins, I know you interviewed him before. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on him being released by the team? Do you think it was fair? And what advice would you give Dwayne Haskins going forward? So, I mean, I hate to see that he was released from the team, you know, first round draft pick. I wanted to see him win. I was rooting for him for a very long time. But he came into a situation where, and to your point about lack of patience for quarterbacks, I think it depends on what team you go to, right? A lot, sometimes those guys go to teams where they are in win now mode. Like they've had terrible seasons prior to, and they bring in a quarterback that they expect to turn things around quickly. So that's unfortunate, but I think if you go to a team where there's more patience, like when Patrick Mahomes went to Kansas City Chiefs, they weren't in a situation where they had to win now. They had Alex Smith at that point, and they were playing Mm -hmm. fairly well. So they had time to develop him. Mm -hmm. Here, Washington, when Dwayne Haskins came, they were in a desperate situation. Jay Gruden was trying to keep his job. Then He didn't keep his job. Then you have the interim head coach, Bill Callahan, come come in who was from the same regime so I don't deny that Dwayne had an uphill battle but the thing that kind of bothered me towards the end was his off-field antics it's like you know the situation you're dealing with you you know that you are on a team where you are on thin ice 
So you got to just do better and you got to make better decisions and you got to be on your P's and Q's. And I think that that's where he went wrong is he didn't control what he could control. And therefore what he couldn't control ended up working against him because of how he behaved off the field. So I I think it's a twofold though. Mm -hmm. It's, It's in my opinion, Dwayne Haskins fault because he didn't make better decisions but he was also just in a situation that wasn't going to probably work well for him in the long run because Ron Rivera did not draft him. He came in with, like I said, people who were fighting for their jobs. Then Ron Rivera didn't draft him. Ron Rivera wants to build his own team with his own people. And then Dwayne Hassis just didn't play well enough. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be off the field doing exactly. your thing, you better be balling. You know what I, I mean? I was just about yeah, to say. Definitely. He wasn't I was just balling. about to say. You're, it's yeah, you like, gotta be perfect. You gotta be perfect yeah. if you're not in the best situation. If you if the odds are stacked against you, like, I'm gonna keep it real. You know, we black people in America, African-Americans, the odds are stacked against us. I'm not even gonna sugarcoat nothing. So we have to be perfect. We know we can't hurt our resume. You know, otherwise we won't get to where we want to be. So I agree 100%. Yeah, and, and with Haskins too, you made a great point, Karita. It's like you're not you're not Dennis Rodman, my man. Like you don't you, you don't you don't deserve to go to Vegas like he did in the finals and still come back and ball out. If James he were Harden to ball too. out, James if he Harden to ball out and still do the antics, then all right, maybe he gets a little more leeway. But that just helped Washington further say, "Pack your bags, you're out of here." And with with him out of the picture. Where do you see Washington going with their quarterback situation? Because obviously Smith is 36 years old right now. We don't even know much about, well, I don't personally. I don't know if Leo or Zach does about, what's his last name? Heineke? Heineke. So like the bottom. Him, like, what, <laughs> right, what I remember think? his last name is Heineke because I go Heineken, but it's not Heineke. It's Heineke. <laughs> I know. So I'm remember we for don't the, even for know who his name, what his name really is. And obviously Brandon Allen got hurt. Where do you see this team going with their quarterback situation? They need, I think they will draft a quarterback in this upcoming draft. Some probably in the later rounds, though. I don't think that'll be their early pick. And possibly pick up another quarterback, either for a backup role or maybe a starting role in free agency. Um, Gosh, there's just like so much that they could do. I was saying that they may keep um, Alex Smith for another year. But he looks like he may be, like, getting more hurt as the season yeah. goes on. Like, he was very immobile yesterday, and uh-huh. he had been a little bit more mobile up to that point. So I don't know if his – you know, for his health, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Um, He may just go ahead and be like, you know, I came back, I did what I wanted to do, and that's it. So I would say draft a quarterback and pick one up in free agency. And Mama Vera, real quickly – um, he said something last night that stuck with me because I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but he mentioned the press conference after the game, after they, after they just clinched the NFC East, that, oh, we're not going to have that. We're going to have the, the bad luck of a Joe with the schedule because we are the division winners. So I don't know. I think he kind of looking ahead right now when he should be focusing on Tom Brady, especially <laughs> when you got Chase Young calling out the GOAT, saying, Tom Brady, I'm ready for you. I don't know, man. You see the goal on my wall. Chase oh, Young, oh, be careful. That's he's why ready. He's taking it personally. Yeah, he's ready. <laughs> exactly. Tom Brady's gonna be ready this Sunday. I mean, Saturday night. Well, Tom Brady might not be able to do much because the problem with Tom <laughs> Brady is he can't move in that pocket. Chase Young will so, be ready. Offensive line <laughs> so gotta if he step up. Time to throw, he might be having some issues back there. You know, he cannot stand. <laughs> 
when he is blitzed. Now nah, that's he a fact. We're gonna it. we're gonna actually get into that very topic in the next segment. Yes, sir. Because we got less than a minute, so we're gonna pick up. Yeah. Okay. I saw that. You're gonna send me another link. Yeah. Yep. I got you. And as I mentioned in the introduction of the show, playoff football is finally upon us. Best time of the year. And to add to it, we get three wild card games this year from each conference to make it even better. More football to watch. Game we're going to go over here, playoff preview. This coming Saturday's 8.15 p.m. game. Matchup between the number four Washington football team and the number five Tampa Bay Bucks, who will travel to Washington for this game. Carlita, take us away. Yeah, so with this particular game, it's going to be important for Washington's offense to start fast again. They did a better job in this past game of coming out. Like you said, they had that 14-0 lead. They're going to, I mean, Tom Brady, regardless, you know he can score. So we are going to have to be able to keep up with that. So the offense is going to have to be on his toes through the air and on the ground. So we got to get Antonio Gibson going a little better. Got to get Terry McLaurin out there. Continue to use Logan Thomas because he's killing guys lately. So oh, yeah. I think we just have to try to make sure that our offense is on point. You cannot afford to make any mistakes. No turnovers from Washington. Like you got to just make sure you are doing your thing and doing everything perfect as we were talking about in the previous segment. <laughs> and then on defense, I think the key will obviously be to get the pass rush going, get the yep. pass rush going, make Tom Brady uncomfortable in the pocket. Great way to do that is by pushing forward through the inside and making him step up. And, you know, I think that that'll force him into some throws that he doesn't want to make. So that'll be very key on defense. And then once again, like forcing turnovers. Those turnovers that defense has been forcing has come in clutch in so many games because offense has been a little bit slow to score. So it's some ways mm -hmm. for us to get the points on the board. But they're going to have to play a perfect game. Now, don't give me – also because Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, they are starting to find their groove. You know, they struggled – through the first half of the season, and now they are on the upward trajectory. So I do admit that's a bit dangerous. <laughs> that's a bit dangerous. So they're going to have to play a perfect game. But I really think the biggest overall key is starting with making Tom Brady uncomfortable in that pocket. One thing I'll say about this Washington football team is you remember in the game against the Steelers, one thing I really liked about that performance was that their defense really proved that not only are they good, but they have an ability to wreck a game. And I feel like watching that game against the Steelers, they literally won them that game. And as you said, they've been forcing turnovers. They've been doing all that. I don't know how uh, much you're into the, the gambling uh, side of football and all that, but I'm looking at the spread. And I see the Buccaneers as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. That doesn't really make sense to me. I feel like when I look at these playoffs, the Washington football team belongs. They feel like they're the appropriate team to represent the NFC East. And I understand you said it. Tampa Bay, their offense has been on fire lately. Tom Brady's been playing great. But I think that Washington's defense is going to be such a big step up compared to the Falcons and the Lions. And I'm really curious to see if they could take advantage of maybe a, a Buccaneers offensive line that I think they could get a, a pass rush on. So when you look at this defense, you mentioned it yourself, the ability to get pressure. That's great. 
one thing that I've really noticed are some of the um, emergent, the emergence of, of two guys in, in particular in the back seven. The linebacker, Holcomb, he's been phenomenal. He's been making plays. And the other kid, uh, the safety, Curl, I think he, uh, his play last night really made a big impact. So when you look at those guys, not the Chase Youngs or the Montez Sweats, how do you think they'll have, uh, have the impact on the game? I think the same way that they have been having an impact on the game, like Cam Curl, he had an interception yesterday. Like we need him to be in the same situation, like pick off Tom Brady, <laughs> um, pick him off, like get those interceptions, you know, be, have good communication with your coverage, be in coverage where you need to be. And I think, you know, I would love to see him just get some more inter interceptions. And then, you know, Holcomb, he's been, like you said, doing great in the backfield. So they just need to continue to play their game. Like, that's what's going to be important. And like, I don't, don't get shook because you're in the playoffs. Don't get mm -hmm. overexcited because you can be excited, but don't get overexcited. Just keep playing your game because, like you said, they've been standing out. So just keep doing what you're doing. And I think that we'll have a good game. Yeah, I think it's that same execution against the Steelers. I think if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm using that same game plan. If I'm Jack Del Rio, I'm obviously blitzing a lot, trying to get to the quarterback. But I think if I'm Ron Rivera, as you said, get it, uh, Antonio Gibson going. McGarn looked healthy last night. That was a really good sign. And I just think they got to keep it simple and execute, and they'll be good. I just think that – um keyword. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I just think that with the – no, it's okay. I just think that with the Washington football team – like, um, it's like a little bit of inconsistencies. And I think that's the division of the NFC East in general, where we saw the Cowboys for a couple games and we was like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to be the team that come out the NFC East. Then we saw the Giants. Everybody was right in there, you know, um, marriage and saying they're going to win the NFC East after they beat Seattle. I look at Washington the same way. Once they beat the Steelers, Alex Smith got hurt. We all know that. But they haven't looked great since then. So it's that unknown going into this game that we could very well see that Washington team against the Steelers upset Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, which obviously is going to start with that defensive line, which I believe is the strength of their team being able to pressure Tom Brady. Cause like you alluded to when Tom Brady is under pressure, he's not the same quarterback. And this coming from a Tom Brady fan right here. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, I just got to see it. Um, they're too inconsistent. I got to see what kind of Washington football team we're going to get this weekend. And if it's the one against the Steelers, this is a trap game for the Buccaneers, and they better be on notice as well. Yeah. And for me, you know, I got two keys to this. We've already – you guys have already all touched base on it. But number one is definitely the battle of the defensive pressure, not only for Washington but also for Tampa Bay. But starting from Washington, I mean, they had two picks in the fourth fumble last night. Their defense came up big. Overall, led by Young, Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, who's had a great year this season, I think all they need to do is basically simply be themselves against the Bucs. Get pressure to Brady like they've done all year against opposing quarterbacks. And like you guys are saying, Brady's kryptonite. You make him move. You don't let him sit pretty in the pocket, and good things will happen for your defense. I think that's definitely big for them. But on the other side, too, you also got to look at this. Todd Bowles, he's a blitz-happy defensive coordinator with a great defensive front in front of him. And Barrett, JPP, who's had a stellar year. Sue, obviously. So the Washington offensive line, led by the newly inked center, their star center, Chase Rolier, I think they have to be on their A game for, Al for Alex Smith, a guy who had the front muscles of his calf reconstructed in that gruesome leg injury. And now he's dealing with tightness in that calf. So they have to do 
a great job of blocking for him. And my next key to the game is what you said, Carlita, in getting their dual threat rushing attack going early and often against the number seven ranked rush defense. It's going to be a tall task, but they got to get it done if they want to have offensive success. Antonio Gibson, we all know about him and the great season he's had. He's obviously primarily their weapon on the ground. He could also catch Pat catch passes as well effectively like he did on Memphis and JD McKissick who to me has been top three if not the best pass catching back this season that we've seen he's been phenomenal for this team on offense and those are really my two keys if they if they want to win this game and obviously Tampa Bay if they want to win they got to get pressure on Smith one thing I would say um real quickly Kenny sees that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be missing some guys due to COVID I'm on the defensive line. Like, I don't believe Devin Bush is going to be able to play. And obviously, because the game is on Saturday instead of Sunday, it's mm-hmm. not going to give them an opportunity to get all their guys back. So Washington could exploit. They could. True. Well, let me ask you this. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was after the game against the Vikings, we had this conversation. And I asked you, I said, if you were to predict how many uh, playoff wins the Buccaneers would have over under .5, what is your answer? And you, you kind of dodged me. I understood. It was still week 13, week 14. But now <laughs> it's go time. We're hitting the playoffs. We're getting closer and closer. And I'm curious. You don't have to tell me how many playoff games you think the Buccaneers are going to win. But I'm just curious for your thoughts as a Buccaneer fan. We're getting the Washington perspective uh, here. I want to hear a little bit of the Tampa Bay perspective. How do you feel like the Bucs have been playing over the last couple of games? And are you more confident now than you were a couple of weeks ago that the Buccaneers can do serious damage in the playoffs? So Will just became the uh, the interviewee. <laughs> Kavita, Kavita, obviously, man, Zach loves to gamble. You can tell he loves to gamble. Over, under, he's a gambling man. Gambling from rambling. I see that. But um, I would just say the Buccaneers, I feel more confident to keep it short. I feel more confident today than I did a couple of weeks ago with the Buccaneers going through the playoffs and moving forward. Okay. And I, I mean, I guess I did want to um, go back to something Kenny said mm-hmm. earlier. Oh, about Tampa Bay's defense. Um, mm-hmm. That's actually a really good point because I know, you know I'm talking a lot about Washington's defense pressuring Brady, mm-hmm. but the fact is right now, Alex Smith is uncomfortable under pressure too, especially yeah. with that injury. And you know, that's what Tampa Bay is going to focus on. So I think he may have some trouble there because he's not moving well in the pocket. And if he doesn't have the time, and I just think right now it's more so because of his injury, then that could mm-hmm. definitely impact the offense, especially if the run game doesn't get going the way we want to see it. And I will also point out McKissick. Notice that he started rising when Alice Smith started playing. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, like he was almost non-existent. <laughs> uh, but like you said, he's been doing a great job, great job coming mm-hmm. out the backfield. Definitely. And- and I- and I think yeah, it's time we move on to some basketball here yep. that close out this segment. Um, the Washington Wizards, they defeated the Brooklyn Nets last night, 123 <laughs> to 122. I want to know your thoughts, Karita, starting with you, on the Wizards' performance last night and what you've seen, um, your biggest takeaway throughout the whole season thus far. My biggest takeaway from the – okay, so I guess I can start with the performance last night. You know, I actually thought that that was one of their better performances. Like, they fought to the very end. Like, they didn't let up. And the problem that we've been seeing with the Wizards, you know, they had that 0-5 start. The issue was defense, like, not following through on the defensive end. Like, they can score all day, but their defense Mm -hmm. is almost non-existent. 
And that really was biting them in those five games, especially like that fourth quarter defense, whole fourth quarter defense. But those last like four, it's, it's like they were losing games in the last four or five minutes in games that they were leading. Um, with Orlando, they were up 17 points. So biggest takeaway is they need to keep – they need to stay on defense. And the games that they've won, as of recent, they played better defense. So that's to me, is a key. And it's always been a key. Like, I've been covering the Wizards for – this is my third season now. And I feel like I've been saying the same thing. Like, their defense just has to improve. Um, so did I miss a part of your question? Because I, I got like caught up on the defense. <laughs> you can tell I'm bothered. No, no, no. I understand the passion. Today? I under I understand the passion of the parks. You know, passion <laughs> of the parks right here. But um, I would just say this about yesterday's game, man. Kyrie Irving came out with a statement on Kevin Durant's podcast talking about, you know, me playing with Kevin Durant. That's that guy that I don't have to worry about taking the final shot. Like, you know, I don't have to depend on myself to take that final <laughs> shot. I actually got somebody that can do it. Clearly taking a shot at LeBron James, you don't have to say his name. We all know you were talking about LeBron James as well, included <laughs> in your statement. And then you have an opportunity last night and a couple games before against the Atlanta Hawks to hit that game-winning shot. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both last night, and they didn't do it. So and we were on the yeah. phone too for that. If we, we was on the, the phone. phone. Leo and I were like, are you kidding me? They exactly. both just missed? So they I, both I just missed. Think... You're right. I think Kyrie missed a three, and then Durant yeah. missed his jumper, which also helped the Wizards um, slide <laughs> through that game. But, yeah, that was – you know, those are supposed to be your guys that you go to, like, when you need to win a game, and they both didn't come through. Where you at, brother? Where you at? Where are you at? But you know, Thomas Bryant came through last night. He was. Oh also, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, he's been a good Thomas player this Bryant. year. He's been a good player this year. Say that one more time. No, I say he's been a good player this year for the Wizards. Definitely, they were talking about that after the game because you know he plays with so much passion and energy. Mm-hmm. And Coach Brooks was basically saying that you know he had to talk to him last season about like channeling his energy in a more positive way, like. Not use not letting it work against the team, but actually having it work more positively towards the team. So he definitely seems like even in his post game interviews, like a just you just get a calmer version of Thomas Bryant. So he seems to definitely be learning. But he stepped up last night on rebounding, like making shots, like he was everywhere he needed to be in the last minutes of those games of that game. Yeah, one thing I'll say about the Wizards, you know, I feel like a lot of the attention this season was on, obviously, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal. But one thing I've really noticed about the team is the depth of wings. And I feel like that's kind of a common trend in the NBA today. Teams want as many 3 and D guys as possible. But I think when I look at the Wizards, they have a nice little core that they have uh, a guy in Rui who just got back. I have been a big fan of his since his Gonzaga days. They re-signed Bertans. Lights out, three-point shooter. Troy Brown, he's a really good defender. Uh, The kid from Israel, Avdia, he looks pretty good. When you look at these wings and some of these uh, role players on the Wizards, what stands out to you with those guys? Yeah, I really like Denny's just – he was playing two years before he got to the NBA, and there's, like, an adjustment for him. He talked about, like, the physicality and the pace of the NBA is different. But I just love how he he says this multiple times. He's like, I'm not scared of anybody, though. Like, you know, I just love his intensity and his maturity. So even though he's new to the NBA, like, he has that professionalism about him, and he's able to be an immediate contributor. So that's what I like about Denny. 
Rui, Rui is good for giving you at least an 18 to 20 point game every time he hits the court. And I do think that obviously they were struggling a lot without him in those first, uh, he was supposed to be gone three to five weeks. I think he was only gone three or so weeks. No, I guess he was gone five weeks because he didn't jump on until afterwards. But um, Rui's definitely dependable. Um, he's going to get you some points. He's going to play a little bit of defense, but like Rui and what he brings to the team, and obviously he's a key piece because, like I said, when he wasn't out there, they couldn't figure out how to make it work. Um, Troy Brown Jr., I think he's going to take another step this year. This is his third season. Um, I think he's more mature. We obviously haven't seen him play a lot this year. I think that that's going to be a, a little bit of an issue um, because Coach Brooks admitted like a lot of those younger guys may not get the minutes that they were getting beforehand. So I think his only struggle may be getting like getting more minutes. And then obviously Bertans, he's a shooter. He's a shooter. And he hits those three-pointers, and they're going to need that, like, especially down the stretch. So, I mean, I think the Wizards have options. It's just they got to figure it out. And I'm glad that they won two games, but they still have to figure it out. And I think Coach Brooks is still trying to figure out what ro rotations and what lineups are working. But so far, so good in 2021. <laughs> so, would you have liked to see – I'm sorry, Kenny C. Um, would you have liked to see John War? And Bradley Bill running back, you know, um, instead of acquiring for Russell Westbrook, or do you think they made the right decision there? I would have liked to see Bradley Bill and John Wall running back. A healthy, I mean, everybody was looking forward to seeing a healthy John Wall play with Bradley mm -hmm. Bill again. You know, John, he had been healthy for a while. Like the reason he was struggling so much with injuries is because it's like he was putting injury on top of injury. So he finally got it all taken care of when he had that Achilles injury and the foot injury. Two years is a long time to be out, I admit. And when people come back from Achilles injuries, you don't know what they're going, what kind of player they're going to be. But I thought that they would at least see what he looked like after um, he came back and he was healthy. So I definitely would have liked to see them together. I mean, Russell's been a good spark and has given this team some energy. And I do like – I like the addition now that he's here, but I still can't help but wonder what could Brad and John have done together now that he's healthy. And, and not only is John healthy, but Brad has come such a long way as a player – so we would have been seeing a different Brad and a different John on the floor together. And now, obviously, their last playoff appearance was 17-18 when they lost in the first round to Toronto. Do you see this team being a playoff team by any chance this year? And if not, when do you realistically think they'll be back in it to win it? So I'm going to stick with what I said, at least for now. I'm going to stick with what I said in the beginning. And I do believe they're going to be a lower seed in the playoffs. But I think that they will make it to the playoffs as long as they continue to just build their chemistry and get their defense up. Um, but they've got some good pieces in place. So I still believe that they can take it to the playoffs. Nice. I mean, I mean it's going to be interesting because – you know, the Wizards do have the pieces. I just don't know how those pieces will fit together. And I know they're still trying to, trying to shuffle the lineup and everything and see who fit, who, who fit better with who. And, um, you know, we have to see. Right now it's too early. You got a couple more games, like, you know, over 60-something more games left. 
in a year. So they got to develop. You know, everything is not going to happen by the snap of the finger. You know, Jesus ain't Mm going to turn water to wine, at least right now. You know, so we have to... (laughs) We have to That's see why I'm like, I'm just going to stick with what I said in the beginning. I'm not going to turn too soon, but the, as long as I continue to see improvements, I will continue to believe that they can make it to the playoffs this year. Awesome. And if nobody has anything further to add, I think that wraps up another great episode. And we thank you, Carlita Parks, for coming on. You were a great guest and Thanks, we had sir. a great time. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to meet you guys. And keep doing what you do. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. Have a a great week and, you know, hopefully the best for you this year in 2021. Thank you so much. Wishing you all guys a great 2021 as well. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You as well. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. All right.